Yo, in this episode, we have our great friend Dan Cook back. If you don't remember, he is from Naples, Florida. He does the part-time Patriot Project, teaching people about the Constitution, Declaration of Independence, and many other founding documents. He and I talk about some great topics, including the Tucker and Kevin Spacey interview the Trump off the ballot in Colorado. We also go into our predictions for 2024. So, guys, it gets very, very good, gets awesome, gets intense. And I want you guys to hear it. So let's go ahead and get into it. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to The Chris Tubb Show. I am so happy that you guys are here. And ladies and gentlemen, today we have the one, the only, Mr. Dan Cook. He's been on before, and I'm excited to have him back on. Dan, how are you doing, brother? Man, Chris, I had a phenomenal Christmas, and I'm ready to get into gear for 2024 so we could take our country back. Dude. I tell you what, it is the year. Uh, this something feels like it's brewing for sure, and we will definitely get into that. But before we get into some of the news, ladies and gentlemen, I just want to remind you to subscribe to me on any of the platforms you guys are watching or listening to me on, and go to my shop, Chris Tubbs slash store, and you guys will get some awesome merch, some hoodies, some t-shirts, and hats are coming on their way. So. Dan, the first thing I want to go over, and we'll go over a few topics, but we have the new Republican primary poll that just came out, and I want to talk about the Tucker slash uh, Kevin Spacey interview. That was kind of weird, but we'll also go off of uh, or talk about how Trump got kicked off of the ballot in Colorado, and then we'll go over some of our predictions for 2024. So I think it's going to be... A quite interesting combo that we got here. But first, let's go over the Republican primary poll because you are living in Florida. And I'll just give you give the audience some of these numbers. So first, we have Trump, who's at 51%, right? That's yep. plus 38 points. Then we have Haley, who's at 13. Then we have Ron, who's at 9. Then we have... Chris Christie, who's tied with him at 9%. Then we have Vivek at 1%. But the one thing I want to get your thoughts on is why the heck is Ron DeSantis down? I mean, in the beginning, when he first announced, even before, before he announced he was going in to run for president, he was kind of tied with Trump. Yeah. So... Why is he down? Why do you think he is down? Chris, Ron DeSantis is down because he is not genuine, straight up. Mm. He, the the nation saw Ron DeSantis as this like anti-COVID, anti-lockdown kind of governor because yeah. Florida did it for the most part, not all the way, but for the most part, Florida did not participate with the COVID nonsense. And mm-hmm. Governor Ron DeSantis got a lot of that credit but i think it's undeserved and Mm. i have i have personal experience with in march of 2020 when governor ron DeSantis put an executive order in place which did close beaches in florida which did shut down restaurants and 
hair salons and other businesses in Florida as a result of Governor Ron DeSantis's actions. Yep. Um, I was raising hell over that uh, here in Naples, Florida. That's how like the Patriot Project got started. That's how our movement got started because we, the people, were petitioning Ron DeSantis. We were going to public meetings and calling him out. Um, he really didn't take a strong stance against these lockdowns and against nope. these mask mandates until he was able to see the, that the political winds, um, that it was okay for him, that it was safe for him to make that stance because initially he was a tyrant just like the rest. So you're saying that Ron DeSantis pretty much just followed the crowd. I, I saw back in 2020, Ron did shut down his state. And I think one of the only few governors that didn't was Christy Noem. And I was applauding her, and it didn't seem like she got a lot of, uh, of congratulations from everyone else. So, look, I, I like what you said, though. It doesn't seem like he's genuine, right? Have you seen that controversy with him and his lifted boots and everything like that? I have not seen that, though. No. Oh, my gosh. So there is a TikTok out there, and it got millions of views. I think it probably got around a million likes where – it was showing Ron, it was he was sim, him sim down, and it showed how his boots and his feet just looked completely awkward. It was weird. Like, and it showed the outline of where his feet should be and where the lift should be. And yeah. it, it came out as boot gate because it I, it was crazy because he then Ron DeSantis went on to PD PBD's podcast and PBD asked him, asked Ron directly to his face, how tall are you? Yeah. And he said, I'm around 5'10". And people called him out because I think he's only a little bit taller than his wife. Yeah. And she's around like 5'6". So when you said that he's not coming off as genuine, I completely agree. Because everything that is coming from his camp is not showing that he's genuine. No, it, it's true. And the proof is in the pudding. And I hear he's got like a pudding gate uh, as well. Um, <laughs> but the proof is in the pudding with him. You know, he yeah. he he only became the anti-COVID, anti-lockdown governor when it was safe for him, which uh, to me showed his, uh, you know, non-genuine, uh, you know, attributes from, from the beginning. You know, yeah. I supported him when he you know, ran for governor again. Uh, he was better than the Democrat who was running, who I think was, um, uh, I can't remember their name, I think Nikki Haley or something. But yeah. he was better than her, but sure. he could do a whole lot more uh, as the governor, especially right now when he is running for president and you were just citing the poll numbers where he's only at 9%, 10%. Um, I think his numbers are going down because the real Ron DeSantis is getting exposed and the American Ooh. people are seeing him for the, the politician that he truly is. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know Laura Loomer is not not the biggest fan of Ron at all. <laughs> and, I, you know, there was one incident that I saw that just kind of put me off. And it wasn't the beginning of the lockdowns because I was like, well, everyone else is doing that except for, you know, one or two states, whatever. But it was when Ron DeSantis started to stand up for um for for the for the schools and everything like that 
And I just didn't like how he was handling any of the school problems or anything like that. It, it was, it came off as, yes, you could say, ingenuine. So, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm not sad about this. I'm not sad about it at all. Because here's the thing. Ultimately, I trust Trump more than any politician. And guess what? He's not even really a politician, right? So I trust him more. And anyone that goes against Trump, I really do see as the enemy because Trump has done more for the American people than any president, of course, in my lifetime, but in a long, long time. And Donald Trump also, like you just said, he's not a politician. He genuinely represents the American people. That's why he's able to draw tens and tens of thousands of people to every single rally that he does because the people we see the bullshit of politics we see the bullshit of politicians and year after year election after election they've been pulling the wool over the eyes of of the american people and when donald trump has come along he's the real deal and we the people see that so the fact Yeah. yeah the fact that he's not a politician is um it's so great. I, I love to see more Donald Trump type people get into office and run yeah. for governors, you know, run for city hall, for, for mayor, for uh, school boards. We need we the people to take back our country. And uh, Donald Trump is leading the way and showing us how to do that. Yeah, I saw one of his ads. I don't know if you saw it. It was on Instagram where I saw it, but it talked about how um Sarah Sanders, is that her name? The governor for uh, for Arkansas? Oh, Mike Huckabee's daughter, yeah. Yep, yep. She was giving a speech, and she gave the story about how her Trump in Melania went to one of the bases overseas on Christmas Day, and the room erupted, erupted in, congratul- in, in hand claps, in excitement for seeing Trump there on Christmas Day, and one of the guys, one of the uh, the uh, infantrymen, said, "Hey, Trump, I reenlisted because of you." And Trump said, "I'm wow. here because of you, son." And that just gave me chills. That gave me goosebumps, man. But people love him, man. I mean, he goes out of his way for the people, and I think that's like what you were saying. That's why he's winning, man. That is why he's. Plus, all these indictments, like, there's a reason why people don't want him to run, right? There's a reason why. And, I mean, if we can get into it, we w- Trump, he got taken off the ballot in Colorado, right? There's a reason why people are wanting to take him off the ballot. There's a reason. He's a oh, absolutely, because he's a threat, and and he he's giving back to the American people, like like you're just saying in that story um, about him surprising the troops. He's giving yeah. back to the American troops. Uh, he's giving back to the American people by taking on the deep state, by right. um, going after child trafficking, by yep. starting to build the border wall. Um, I've noticed something about politics is that, and mm-hmm. even at the local level, maybe you might even say, especially at the local level. It seems to attract a certain type of people. Politics attracts the people who are in it for money, people who are in it for their title or notoriety, um, people who get into politics, they have an agenda, you know, the the, uh, globalist, uh, new world order type people who want to cram climate change down your throat, even though that's a guise, that's a cover for 
carbon tax and the the people who want to push this digital ID on the American people. Mm-hmm. You know, there there literally is a conspiracy and agenda to take down America and to take our rights away. And it seems to me that politics naturally attracts either the the selfish, greedy type or these people who have an agenda who are the corrupt politicians. And so it's so rare to have someone like Donald Trump in office because he doesn't represent that. But it's it's got to be difficult. And we see this with the indictments, with them trying to pull him off the ballot. You know, the the amount of um, heat that he's taking. I mean, gosh, they're threatening him with multiple lifetime sentences in jail because he's questioning the rigged election of 2020. Right. And that just goes to show you, though, how committed the deep state and the evil people are in advancing their uh, new world order agenda. Right. Um, they're, They're totally committed. They're all in. And so we, the people, also have to be all in, which clearly Donald Trump is. And uh, I'm excited to see what 2024 is going to bring for the American people. I know it's going to be a a year like we've never seen before. Yes. People are already talking about, are we even going to have an election? What's this election (laughs) going to look like if Trump is not on, you know, the Colorado ballot or other states might now follow suit? Uh, it's it's going to be a pretty dicey year, I think. I think so, too, man. I think so, too. And we can get a little bit more into our predictions for 2024. But I agree with you. I think it's going to be it's going to be something. It is going to be something. So. All right. The next thing I want to get into is talking about the Tucker and Kevin Spacey interview. I sent you the link for it. You watched it. So give me your raw thoughts. What do you think about it, man? You know, I have to question Tucker's decision on even having that interview with the guy, Kevin Spacey. Okay. Like, okay. He, he, Kevin Spacey came off to me as beyond bizarre, like not to be taken seriously as a yeah. presidential candidate, which is what he was kind of alluding to. Mm-hmm. But it, it just, it, it felt icky. <laughs> for, sure. for lack of a better term, but it, it felt very weird watching that. And I don't think uh, Evan Spacey deserves a spot on the Tucker Carlson show. I think I deserve a spot on the Tucker Carlson show. Come on, man. Talking about, talking about the 10th Amendment and how we actually start to abolish tyrannical government, because yeah. that's what I'm all about. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so have you seen the show House of Cards? Uh, I've seen um, maybe like once or twice. I see it on the the thumbnails on Netflix. Yeah, yeah. So apparently Kevin Spacey was playing that character in that interview. He was playing his character like the president. Oh, and so, oh. so I was on an X space talking about some of the conspiracy theories, the takes that people had on it. And there were some very, very interesting thoughts one of them was uh, there's this guy who took the transcript of the entire interview, ran it through an AI program, and asked what its thoughts were on the entire transcript. And it gave a very, very interesting answer. It was talking about how a lot of this uh, this this talk, this narrative, 
was from when Jimmy Carter was talking about, especially when he said fear, 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 like that's what's going on. And then I thought it was very interesting how uh, the character that Kevin Spacey was playing was talking about how he likes Vivek drain the swamp or uh, Swami or however, however you say his name. And I thought that was very interesting. So they, I'll give you my thoughts and then you can comment on it. But Tucker Carlson is smart. He's very smart. We know his views. We know his thoughts, right? We understand where he's at. There is a reason why Tucker would bring this on. And it wasn't, it's not just for some show, which maybe some people thought it was, but I think it goes a little bit deeper. I think it goes deeper than what it's just showing the face value for. So why would, why would, why would Kevin Spacey in some parts play his character and then all of a sudden go back into more of a Kevin Spacey type role? That's a little intriguing to me. And I I lean more towards the area that this is actually some sort of comms because we know, uh, hey, uh, my, my, my thoughts and my opinions, and I know this to be true, is that the good guys show comms. They, they do that on purpose, right? And so they're trying to say something, and it's up mm-hmm. to us to decode it in some sort of way. I think that's pretty plausible, and you're right about uh, Tucker Carlson uh, being a, a smart guy. And maybe I was a little harsh on him for uh, judging his character <laughs> about bringing Kevin Spacey on. I'm sure you're right. There's I know, you went after him, man. You're like, man, what the heck is he doing? I don't believe it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, you're right, but now that 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 was my initial reaction after sure. having just watched. Uh, the interview, but you're right. When you um, read through it, maybe rewatch it, yes. and try to like read between the lines, figure out what are they actually trying to say here. There probably is uh, some more important information there. I'm sure it was uh, a good conversation there on X talking <laughs> about the uh, the, di- the different ideas that may might be, you know, have have being broadcasted there for sure. And so, do you remember the part where he's talking about the bean bags? Faintly. Okay, so he was talking about we, you know, he's not gonna allow beanbags into the White or White House or something along those lines. Apparently, it's some slang that beanbag means idiot. So I thought that was very interesting to hear. I was like, oh, oh, because I didn't get that part at all. I was like, what the heck? That makes no sense. Um, Whatever. And now that I was hearing that, I was like, ah, that's making more sense. So, hey, I would watch it again. Maybe you can point out some things that uh, are a little bit different views than mine, but I thought it was very, very interesting. So, you know, uh, I'll I'll give it a second watch and uh, put my conspiracy theorist hat on and uh, see what, see what, see what comes to mind afterwards. But uh, wouldn't that be nice, though, if we, didn't have any idiots in the White House, or if we <laughs> didn't have any idiots in Congress. Right? No, I agree with you. I agree with you. I, I think it's something that needs to change big time. And um I think we're getting there though. I and I think I, I think twenty the the last like three years were a big wake up call for a lot of people. And I think it's really cool to see more and more people waking up 
I mean, I just saw a poll, and I talked about this on one of my podcasts earlier, how there's a poll that Trump is polling great numbers with young Americans versus Biden. There's a reason yeah. why. There's a reason why. So let's get into a little bit of our predictions for 2024, and then I know you want to uh, talk about some other cool things that you got going on. But I think 2024 is going to be a big year, and I think it's going to be big in two different perspectives. I think it's going to be big for we the people because it's going to wake up more people, and then I think it's going to be big because it's going to bring out a lot of, let's just say, intentions from other people. So I think, for one, you're going to see a big financial shift to the American people. There's some talk that's uh, going on with Iraqi dinar that's going to be RVing, which is great news. There's some talks about a new financial system that's going to possibly be happening. So I think that's going to be a big part of that. And then you're going to see the deep state, they're going to go all out. They're going to go all out. They're going to try to push as much as possible. And I think they're going to be doing it different, though, because we know we know already all all what's coming forward, right? We know that they brought BLM the last, like, what, six, eight years, every single cycle. We've seen that. We've seen the pandemic scare. We've seen all of the stuff that's going on. I think it's going to be something along with the border. I think there's something going on there. I think whatever it's, whatever's <laughs> happening with all the caravans that are coming into America, there's something that's going to happen there. I think it's going to be... I think it's going to be bigger than what happened in 2020. <laughs> and that might be hard to believe, but something just kind of is adding up to that. What are your thoughts on that? And what are your predictions for 2024? So we do have to look at history to see how it's going to repeat itself. Come on. We saw in 2020 how they used COVID and yep. the BLM riots that summer. And then the mail-in voting, um, you know, changing election laws by not going through the state legislatures and yep. rigging the election. They did, you know, how long were they planning the the COVID uh, pandemic? But yeah, that's why they call it a pandemic, right? They were planning totally. it some time. So whatever, you know, that that just showed the extremes that they had to go to in 2020 yep. to keep Trump out of office. And now they're facing the same thing, even though he's not in office right now. Um, the American people, if we had a fair election, would overwhelmingly vote for Donald Trump to become the president again. And so, yes, the deep state has some tricks up their sleeve. They, I, I predict that we're going to see some sort of a cyber Cyber something, cyber mm. attack that may, maybe it'll take down the voting machines mm. in, in the primary or the general election. Um, maybe, well, there's probably no maybe. We see what's going on on the border. Sure, we yep. are we are literally right now being invaded, and if if something doesn't happen pronto, then you know right now it's caravans of uh you know people from all over the world all um, over that not just from mexico no right oh and and so possible you know sleeper cells possible people to you know carry out attacks or something in in the future but what's what's to stop an actual 
like invading army to to come across our southern border. Why? Uh, here's a question that I have, and it's specifically for our congressman. Dude. Why is our military protecting the borders of Iraq and Ukraine? Why are we sending money to help Israel and Ukraine? And we're sending money to so many foreign countries. Yep. I wonder, and, and I also see in the news, you know, our our troops are getting attacked in the Middle East right now. And I'm going to say something probably kind of controversial here. Do but it. Why do we have bases throughout the Middle East? I would like to, you know, if I were, if I could wave a magic wand and uh, become senator or, or even president right now, I would say, you know what? We don't need bases in the Middle East. We need military bases in Texas, in Arizona, in New Mexico. Why are we not protecting our own country? And but that that kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier about this deep state that is doing all of these things to prevent Donald Trump Donald Trump from getting into office because they have an agenda which is to destroy America to dissolve the the sovereignty of our country and they're doing that by flooding us with immigrants from all over the world um and and so that that's the answer the the deep state and yeah. the people in power in Washington right now are not allowing the american people to uh, protect our own sovereignty by uh, getting out of entangling alliances in the Middle East, getting out of wars uh, all across the world, and protecting our own sovereignty, protecting our own borders. So I don't know if that answered your question. I kind of went on a little uh, little tangent there, but no, that was good. I this here's my question, and I might push back just a little bit. Of course, when Trump was in office we still had military bases all around the world, right? So are you saying that because of what's happening at the border, we need to pull back even more and bring more of our troops home to protect us there? And that's the reason why you're advocating for more military bases to be you know, dismantled across seas and bring back here? Is that why you're saying that? Um, honestly, it's, it's, it is twofold. So okay. that is... That that is the one um, maybe pressing reason is I, I do think that we need our own military on our southern border, uh, yeah, northern border a, as well would not be a bad idea either, but especially there at the southern border to protect okay. our country. Um, but then I also think about, all right, so the the sovereignty of America is important. Yeah, um, I will stand up for American sovereignty, but the sovereignty of other nations is important as well. Sure, let's take Iraq. Last I checked, Iraq has not been voted in as the 51st state. Um, <laughs> or Iraq, Ukraine. I, I, or, or Ukraine, correct. You know, Iraq was not behind 9-11. You know, mm. George W. Bush brought us into Iraq. When was that? 2003? Yeah. 20 years ago? Mm-hmm. If, 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 if I lived in Iraq or the Middle East... I would be standing up for my country's sovereignty, just like I, as an America, an American, am standing up for American sovereignty. Um, and so I think that I, I have maybe maybe I have a differing perspective on foreign policy, mm -hmm. which really aligns a lot more with uh, Representative Ron Paul and, and Rand Paul, uh, which is 
what one of the founding fathers said, I think George Washington said, uh, we should have peace and friendship with as many nations as possible, but avoid yeah. entangling alliances. So I'm sure. a firm believer in yeah. that. But then let's 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 throw something else into here. Let's talk about money. Let's talk yeah. about our debt. Yeah. Do we do do we really have the money to be uh, pouring into military uh, activity in the Middle East when we need to be pouring that money into our our own security? Um, right. No, that's a great question, though. I, and I think here's my thought is. If you are able to take care of yourself first, then you can go help people. And right. obviously, we haven't done that. We we have not done that in America. It's obvious how much we are in debt and how much we need more help at the borders. That's obvious. And I'm not just talking about the other little things that are going on in every single day of life. I mean, the homelessness, right? All of the yeah. the the wage gap, all all that stuff, all that BS. Like, we need to take care of our culture. We need to take care yeah. of our borders. We need to take care of our debt. And that is a huge, huge thing. We are, it's like a codependent, it's like a person that has been hospitalized, right? And is now going to take care of someone that is on their deathbed. Like, how do you do that? You both are, st you both are on the, on the, you know, not doing too well. Like that, yeah. that's how I see America right now. We are hurting. We have a lot of problems that we need to take care of first before we go help other countries. And if we go help other countries, there's got to be some benefit to both sides. Listen, you, know, you bring up problems. And just off the top of my head, I'm just going to list a few of the problems that I think are front and center right now. Okay. All right, you said the debt, inflation, right. cost of living, um, you know, homelessness, uh, veter you know, veterans who are homeless. You know, we're not even taking care of our own. Our southern border. Um, that's just that's just a few of the problems. But right, let's ask the question: What is causing these problems? It's a great question. I think I have a one-word answer. Okay. Government. Mm. Government, I think, is causing uh, these problems, or at maybe at maximum causing these problems. At, at minimum, the government is just completely inept at solving problems. Mm. And this is where you mentioned the word culture, and I'm, br I'm glad that you brought that up. Yeah. Because the purpose of government is something that I believe is totally lost on this generation, the last generation, the generation before that. Sure. You know, our American culture and our heritage is rested upon our founding documents. So that's our Declaration of Independence, <laughs> which states the purpose of government. It says the, the purpose of government is to defend our rights to, to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Yep. So it's our it's also our American heritage about the Constitution. Yep. Our our society in general doesn't know what the purpose of the Constitution is. Um, you don't get your rights from it. The Constitution grants you nothing. The purpose of the Constitution is to restrain government. Right. Because remember, like it said in the Declaration of Independence, the purpose of government is to protect our rights and to, to protect, protect our liberties. Exactly. Exactly. Now, 
and we could learn from our culture, from our heritage, from these documents, what to do right now. You know, the, the founding fathers and mothers, they were going through the exact same thing in the 1760s and 1770s of government depriving people of trial by jury. Tyranny. Government, yeah, total tyranny. Government taxing every uh, transaction of money. Government not respecting the rights of the people. So yep. if the if the American people right now can study those documents and learn what the founders told us to do in a situation like this, we would realize that we are at a stage right now where we have to alter or abolish tyrannical government. Yeah. There's, in my opinion, there is no correcting, there's no fixing this uh, monstrosity that we call the United States government in mm. Washington, D.C., um, our, earlier you were talking about our 2024 predictions, and I hear a lot of people talk about uh, civil unrest. People are openly talking about civil war now. Yeah. Some people are openly talking about revolution right now. Yeah. Yep. And I want to, before I get into maybe a conversation entertaining how those might play out, I think that we maybe have, you might want to call it a last-ditch effort to prevent those things from happening, which would be a a revolution, not in the sense of uh, an armed revolution, but Ron Paul spoke a lot about this, which is a revolution in the minds of the American people. And, yeah. and coming coming back to the Constitution, and how, how do we actually use that document to restrain the government um, very few people know how to actually do that, and so I think we have we have a giant learning curve. Yeah. Um, as the American people, but the a lot of the solutions are within that document and within the Bill of Rights as well, and our state constitutions. Here's a question for your listeners: How many people realize that we have a federal constitution? Duh, we all know that. Right. But did you know you also have a state constitution? that protects your due process rights, that protects your right to petition the government, um, protects your Second Amendment rights, uh, well-regulated militia, yep. um, right to keep and bear arms. Um, the state constitutions protect your rights uh, just as much as the federal uh, constitution does. And so if we, we could educate the masses, right? We, there was 81 million plus who voted for Trump. To me, that's 81 million people who need to realize that their state constitution has a clause in there that says we have the authority to instruct our representatives. Yep. Yeah. We, they serve us. We don't serve them. Yep. That's how it's supposed to be. And it should be the greatest honor to be a representative because you are serving people. Like that's one of the greatest things. Hello? That's what our government was set up on. And it even says in the Bible that we need to serve one another. We need to love one another. We need to honor one another. And if you have that value for your people, the people that you are representing, you know how much this nation would change? Oh, my God, man. It would be radically different. It would be radically different. And I want to point out something that you talked about. How do we get this shift going? And you Lizard. said that we need to educate people, right? 
I mean, that's one reason why my team and I, we're building curriculum for homeschooling parents to bring in these principles. We're going to be doing that. There's stuff that's coming out soon for that. But we need to start at our individual family homes. That's where we start. And I put this on the men. And the reason why I put this on the men is because men are the leaders, right? We know that biblically, we know that just from walking around, men are the ones that get stuff done on the outside. And so if we are able to lead our families in the best way possible, the best way, and I'm talking about biblically and referencing in the Constitution, referencing in the Declaration of Independence, referencing our bills, our rights in the Bill of Rights. If we do that, man, we are going to see that change. And it's, I truly believe it starts with us men. If we are able to do that, the women will follow. And guess and what? The, the families will follow. And guess what? The churches will follow. If the churches will follow, then the representatives will follow. If the representatives follow. Guess what happens in government, man? It changes. So yes. it starts out small and it goes to those levels. Your thoughts. That's how the tide starts turning. And I Come think I, th- I think it begins with, well, here's how I would like it to to begin, is with a full exercise of the First Amendment. Okay? Yeah. The First Amendment protects our religious freedom. It protects your right to worship God as you see fit. It prevents us from having a national religion, which is a good thing. Um, so exercising our First Amendment right of freedom of religion, uh, me personally, I'm not going to tell anybody else how they should practice their religion, but sure. for me, I am going to pray to God for wisdom, for discipline, for strength when I am carrying out my purpose, which is to defend liberty and to defend my family, defend my community, whether yes. it's against um, you know, a, a carjacker or someone trying to break into my home, whether it's against a uh, government official who's trying to uh, prevent me from speaking at a meeting or trying to tell me to wear a mask. And I know that's uh, it was kind of three years ago kind of thing, the mask mandate, but I'm starting to see them pop up again uh, mm-hmm. in culture. So mm. I think uh, maybe, maybe MSNBC must be pr- promoting another <laughs> variant or something because I see a lot more more masks popping up here and there. Uh. But, but but coming coming back to the First Amendment, right? We we practice our religion. We assemble peacefully. We use the press. Here's an aspect of the First Amendment that we're not utilizing to its fullest extent, which is a free press. And thank you for doing what you are doing. With the podcast and and there's so many others too you know on up on up to tucker carlson to elon musk and twitter and all of the other uh podcasters out there who are doing the job of a free press you you hear the term mainstream media well the first amendment doesn't first amendment doesn't reference media or mainstream media it It references a free press because the press is supposed to do its job on holding government accountable. Yes. Now, exactly. There that's a key word right there, holding government accountable. Maybe maybe that's a phrase that you hear a lot, you know, how do we hold them accountable? Well, when you have the press 
sticking a microphone in the face of, you know, Joe Biden or city council member or, you know, school board member and forcing them to defend their records and defend their actions. That's one way that we hold government accountable. Yep. But then let's also talk about the freedom of speech, which I think most people probably relate the First Amendment to freedom of speech. That might be the first thing that would come to the the average American's mind. Yep. And I think one very powerful way that your listeners, that the people of America can do right now to exercise that freedom of speech, to hold government accountable, is to go to your next county commissioner meeting. Come on. Or go to your next school board meeting. Go to your next city council meeting. There is a spot on the meeting agendas called public comments. Now, this is like really a duty that every American should be exercising right now. Let's start it off. 2024, new year. It's time to take our country back. It starts at the local level. So I bet you if every single one of your listeners would open up their search engine, type in their county, county commissioner, find out when the next meeting is, show up, sign up to speak under public comments, and you have three minutes, three minutes to air your grievances, to talk about what is important to you. You could talk about the, you know, what's going on on the border. You could talk about what's going on nationally. You could talk about, uh, you know, the issues that are important to you in your local community, but the the public comments at local government meetings is the arena that we, the people need to get into to start holding government accountable. And then also to start like organizing and getting together yeah. know, the, the final clause. And you know, I'll, I'll wrap it this, this portion up with this, the final clause of the first amendment says that the people have the right peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. Your local government meeting, specifically the county commissioner meeting, is the ideal place to do that, to to peacefully assemble, meaning we are going to the meeting. And if you have a petition with signatures asking your politicians to take a specific action, whether it's not violate my rights or whether it's support this legislation or oppose that legislation, bringing these petitions to our county meetings, speaking about them during public comments, and then serving our petitions with as many signatures as possible on them, uh, getting it on the record, I think is one of the main ways that we can start a revolution overnight within the first couple of weeks of January and really get the ball rolling and, and educate and get the American people to start exercising our rights. What do you, what do you say to the people that say, Oh, it doesn't matter. It's not going to be heard. It doesn't matter. They're going to do whatever they want to do. I say one person can make a difference. And I know that sounds kind of cliche, kind of, uh, you know, probably, People have heard that before, but what if Thomas Jefferson took the approach of, you know what? I'm only one person. Yeah. Yeah. I've got these ideas of what this declaration of independence should sound like, but you know, they might vote me down or they might laugh at me. This might not work out. Right. Right. What if George Washington took that attitude? 
uh, we would still be British subjects right now, which some people argue we we still kind of are, but that might be for another <laughs> podcast. <laughs> but you know, the 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 power that you have power the power that every individual has is a God given uh, authority, a God given right. And Come I'm on. sorry, I got a, got a little uh, distraction in, in in the background, but to the people who say that my voice doesn't matter, I'm only one person. Just throw that thought away immediately. That's the devil whispering stuff in your ear because you are a powerful human being made in God's image, created to defend your rights, to defend yourself, to defend your family and defend your country. If everybody would just take the approach and take the mindset of I am a powerful human being, I have authority. Government does not have authority. I have authority. You have authority, Chris. The American people do have the power and authority to assert our rights, to run for office, to hold politicians accountable, and to kick them out uh, when they become a threat to our rights, which is exactly where we see ourselves right now. Gosh dang, man, you just got me freaking pumped. (laughs) Oh, man, let's go. That was awesome. That sounded like a speech, bro. Like, come on, you should... Just gotta like run or something. I don't know. Oh, do something. Oh, well, that's a great idea, Chris. I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> we yeah. didn't talk about this ahead of time or anything either, right? No. <laughs> yeah, huh? Oh. So I have been thinking about running for office for quite some time. Um I I thought about running for local office because my logistics, my circumstances would make more sense for me to run for local office. However, I feel God calling me to do something bigger. Come on, I, man. A, a, few, a, few, a few years ago, in must have been 2019, I was learning to trust in God that he's going to provide for me even when uh, things seem impossible. Yeah. And I'm feeling that same, really it's the Holy Spirit speaking to me. It's it's that gut feeling that is telling me, don't worry about how it's going to happen. Just be obedient to God. Do what you're called to do, and God's going to sort out the rest. And that is precisely where I'm at right now, Chris, because I'll tell you, I, in, in my personal life, I feel like I have just recently got out of a season where I almost hit rock bottom. But I also look at America right now. America is very arguably at rock bottom right now. Yeah. So if if I'm going to have faith that God is going to pull me out of uh, one season and, and into another, I've got to have faith that God's going to pull America out of this season too. But he has, he has placed me in a position uh, right now where I'm in influence in my community, where I've been fighting against tyranny for about three years now, building up the Patriot Project, doing amazing things with Alfie Oaks at Seed to Table. I became a vice chairman of the Collier County Republican Party. Um, but this is really just the beginning because I think it's time for Dan Cook to go to Washington. I don't... <laughs> oh, baby. I, I don't have any problems with our current senator rick scott but 
He's no Dan Cook. And what I mean by that is Rick Scott does not understand the Tenth Amendment in a way that I do. I don't believe Rick Scott understands the power of the accountability clause, which is the the petition uh, reference there in the First Amendment. And it's nothing against Rick Scott, but I believe that it's my time right now. And I say that because I understand the Constitution and I'm, I've, been, I've been studying it as a layman for about 14 or 15 years. And now is the time where we need somebody in Washington, D.C., who has the guts to say, you know what? The Department of Education, that goes beyond Congress's authority as laid out in Article 1, Section 8. Therefore, it should be abolished and those uh, responsibilities should return to the states or to the people, which is what the 10th Amendment says. My entire platform, Chris, or I should say the majority of my platform is going to be enforcing the 10th Amendment. Yeah. And what I what what I mean by that is we're, we go back to the purpose of government. Yep. The purpose of Congress, the purpose of Congress, their or their their powers are specifically laid out in the Constitution. If all of your listeners would open up their pocket Constitution, because I know every single one of them has one, and read Article One, Section Eight, there are seventeen specific powers that are delegated. Delegated, meaning those powers are with we the people first, but we delegate it to the government through our Constitution. So yes. what Congress is allowed to do is specifically written in Article 1, Section 8. Have your listeners read through those 17 specific things. Next, read what is called the uh, the Supremacy Clause, which is in Article 6, uh, Section 2, I believe, Section 2 or 3 which says that all laws made in pursuance thereof shall be the law of the land. Have you heard that term, the law of the land? Yep. So, so the supremacy clause is misinterpreted by many scholar, you know, scholars, um, many people in government. They believe that it means everything, all the laws of the United States are the law of the land. No, they are missing out on three key words which is all laws made in pursuance thereof, Ooh. meaning all laws which are constitutional are the law of the land. Ooh. So any laws that Congress passes that are not specifically enumerated or specifically written right there in Article 1, Section 8, are not the law of the land because they violate the Constitution. They are going beyond their scope of duties. So Bang. that's the that's that's why Congress is bloating our budget and there's so many different regulatory agencies and our foreign policy is a mess and the whole the whole country is a mess because the government in Washington DC is operating outside of its scope of duties. Right. So so the first step in you know, kind of like untangling it and reeling it back is a proper interpretation of the, the supremacy clause. And then it comes to the 10th Amendment, really the ninth and the 10th Amendments. Yeah. And and the 10th the Amendment is something that state legislatures, state governors, or uh, local 
you know, local government, county commissioners, city councils can use to to say, you know, the federal government is not authorized to create this uh, Department of Education, and they are not they don't have the power to dictate what we do here at the local level. And so if more governors, more state representatives, more local government uh, servants, not officials, government servants Come on. Uh, would would enforce that Tenth Amendment, that's how we start to untangle this mess that our federal government has created. Ooh, wow. That is so powerful, and I'm pumped, man. I tell you what, man, I endorse you, and if I were in Florida, I would vote you in 100%. So... I want you to win. I want you to go and do this. And I think you said a very powerful line. You said that you're going to have God be your source and you're following his footsteps in this and trusting in him to be your provider. I think that's key, man. I think that is key. And let me tell you something. When you officially are ready to go for it and you get all the paperwork, everything all settled, We'll get you back on here, man, and we will definitely do a in-depth reason why you're going after this and, and some of the, the issues that you want to tackle for sure because, man, I think we need it. We need people like you that study the Constitution, that knows what is saying, and like not just what it's saying, but the original intent. And I think that's very, very important because not a lot of people, like you said, are interpreting it in a very, let's just say, original, I guess you could just say the original idea, what the founding fathers wanted. So, man, yeah. I'm pumped, man. I'm like, I'm ready to go vote you Good. in right now if I could, because that's, that's what we need. It's what we it need. Is, it totally is. And, you know, I'll, 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 end, I'll end with this, Chris, and I really appreciate the words that you just said. Um, your support definitely means a lot to me. Um, and I'll certainly come back on the show and we'll expand more on Dan Cook for Senate's platform. Um, come on. De- definitely going to keep praying on it and, you know, end up yes. uh, end this year uh, with, with some, with some prayer and to uh, figure out what the, what my direction is. But um, I'm really feeling it because like you said, you're, you're talking about the founder's intent of the constitution. I've been studying this since 2007. Come on. I, I love the Constitution. I actually have uh, ancestors who fought in the Revolutionary War. That's um, so awesome. I have ancestors that go back to the Mayflower voyage and the Mayflower Compact. So I literally have liberty in my blood. But, <laughs> but fi- final note, I want to I want to uh, uh, just leave your leave your listeners with is the original intent of the senator. Actually, come on. So we have what's called a bicameral legislature, which means there are two different houses. You have the House of Representatives and the Senate. Yes. Both together, they make the laws uh, that go to the president's desk and who then signs them into law. Now, the House of Representatives has always represented the people, and the number of representatives has always been based on population. Right, right. The Senate... Uh, the Constitution says two senators per state. There's no way around that. That's how it is. But originally, the senators were not chosen in a popular election. Originally, as the founders' intent was 
for the senators to be chosen by the state governments because the senators represented the interests of the state governments. Mm. So you had that balance of power in Washington, D.C., where one legislative body, the House of Representatives, is representing the people directly, and then the other legislative body, the Senate, is representing the state governments. Because remember, it was the state governments and the states that created the Constitution. Right. And and so in 1913, which is a very, very um, bad year for, for America, that was the passage very. of the 16th Amendment, the creation of the, of the Federal Reserve banking system, uh, as well as a passage of the 17th Amendment, which changed how we choose our senators. Now, I'm sure there was a good uh, debate and reason for that at the time. Maybe the state governments uh, were sending crappy rep- crappy senators to to the you know the federal capital. I don't I don't know all of the history behind the passage of the 17th Amendment, but yep. I will tell you this: uh, as the senator for Florida. I would be representing the, uh, the the interest of the state government as well in a capacity of the of the 10th Amendment because the federal government is bloated. It's trying to do way too much. It's well beyond its scope of duties and it needs to be reined in. And uh, that's that's the basis of why I I am strongly considering running for Senate. I love it, man. This is awesome. I'm excited. I'm pumped. I think people are going to love this. I really do. So, all right, man. Well, where can people follow you, find you, get in contact with you? You know, right now, the best way to uh, get contact with me would be to go to parttimepatriotproject.info. And there's a little, um, you know, like a contact me button in the bottom right hand corner of the website and yeah. uh so that that's a way to send me an email um i'm also dan cook 1776 on instagram and yeah. uh you could always come find me at seed to table in naples florida as well i uh i peruse that uh that area as well because okay. that's 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 where the movement started here uh here in naples nice Okay. Awesome, man. Well, I think that's good. And if you want to do any more uh, spaces on X, we should definitely talk about it because I think that's going to be a big platform that you should go on for for this kind of campaign trail. If you go for it, I think it should be a good thing for you. Yeah. I'm definitely open to exploring that. Yeah. All righty. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I will put all of his links in the description in the show notes so you guys can go ahead and just contact him directly we thank you guys so much if this has given you guys any value any some sort of value i want you guys to go ahead and share this with any of your friends any of your family members that would like it as well that is the best way to help me get the truth out ladies and gentlemen and remember you guys can always go to christubs.com slash store get some patriotic merch that's going to help me with the future projects that I have, like supporting our amazing friend here, Dan Cook. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you guys like this, go ahead and subscribe, and we will see you in the next episode. Thank you, Dan. You are awesome, man. My pleasure. <laughs>